Welcome to Listening to Paint Tribe with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. Thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. So today I have to start out with an apology. Uh, We got off track uh, for our normal production schedule, which is every two weeks, and it's been a while since we put out an episode. But that won't happen again until we announce some form of a break. We have a bunch of exciting content planned for you, and of course, uh, that includes... Both Dan and I are going to ReaperCon this year in September, so we're going to do a series called The Road to ReaperCon as we prepare both our projects for the competition and ourselves for going to the con- to a convention for the first time in a couple of years. And we'll probably talk to people about how to take classes, what kind of classes to take, etc., what to expect from ReaperCon. And we'll have some pretty interesting interviews uh, along the way. And, of course, we won't forget about our focus on different genres our next one will be greek mythology and hopefully that uh that is currently in the production hopper so our apologies we're back on track and appreciate your listening today though we have a fun one uh we continue our global art party as we go up to the na- our neighbors in the north in canada and we speak with alexander good a commissioned painter for uh, stiff neck studios Um, We're excited to share his painting journey with everybody and have a good conversation about what it means to be a commission painter in uh, North America. So we are pleased to present Alexander Good of Stiff Neck Studios. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, It's really exciting for us because it's uh, lately over the podcast, we've had a lot of opportunity to talk to painters in different parts of the world. And uh, today we get our first Canadian painter on. So we're we're very excited about hearing what things are happening, like hearing about a Canadian perspective on painting. (laughs) Eh? (laughs) (laughs) I figured somebody was going to go there, but it shouldn't be me for sure. Um, So that's all right. (laughs) Alex, to start out with, why don't you uh, give us a little background about how you got into the hobby? Oh, wow. Uh, many, many Maple Leafs ago. Uh, I actually took a trip down to uh, Buffalo, New York with my parents when I was about, I'm going to say about 10 years old. And uh, I remember walking into the uh, Tonawanda Mall and uh, I saw this big castle store and I was just like, what is this? And um, as soon as I went inside, I was just totally gobsmacked. I, I had been building model cars with my dad since I was about four. Uh, so like to see like a super cool sci-fi dude with a big gun and all these kind of like tanks rolling around. I was like, this is for me. I was hooked like right then and there. Um, sadly, didn't get anything that day and, you know, came back to Canada and the party started. Got a paper route, and I uh, bought my first miniature box when I was about 14 years old from uh, from our games workshop here in town. And uh, I was off to the races. Had no clue what I was doing. What box was it? What bo- yeah. do you remember? Oh, I think I think it was um, one of like the original get like uh, original starter sets. I believe it was the one that had the black Templars in it with the dark Eldar. I believe. Is that, uh, Black, is that Black Reach? Uh, no, I think it was. I can't remember. It had, I remember it had Black Templars and uh, Dark Elder or Drukari, as they're called now. Um, I don't remember. It's probably like early mid 90s around there. Okay. 
Nice. Nice. Uh, so I, I really, I really don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember buying it, and me and my brother split it, and we started playing the game. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of my buddies were like, "Hey, what's this?" And next thing you know, I got four of my four or five of my friends are you know buying Imperial Guard tanks, and <laughs> down the rabbit hole we went. Now, did you guys make up the rules to, to a degree? And then when you found out how to really play it, you were like, oh. <laughs> well, I, you know, the funny thing about that was we read the rules and we tried it out and we were basically like, oh, this could be better. So I remember a few of us, we kind of, I think back then you could like make your own commander. They had like war gear and stuff. Right. And uh, we all made our own commanders with like ridiculous stats. Like, you know, normally they would have fours across the board. We have like sevens, eights, nines, you know, and <laughs> we just uh, kind of turned it into like our own little like mini hero hammer campaign. Um, we all had our, our characters that were like, that's Alex, the commander. And that's, that's, that's Joseph, the, the demon Lord. And kind of like had a little bit of like a D and D feel to it. Cause I had been exposed to dungeons and dragons like long before I had met games workshop it was something that my dad was into. Um, so it was kind of like we took elements and just pulled them into the Warhammer game just to make them a little bit more excitable and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then next thing I knew, I was like, everybody I knew was playing it. And uh, well, we got a little older and the priorities changed. And uh, I, we, most of us drifted away from the hobby for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a common, uh, it sounds a really common theme that there is definitely a, a life break in the hobby. Um, very few people just continually do it for 40, 30, 40, 50 years, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, I think it was, you know, like the, you know, you become an adult 18, 19, you know, you want a car and you meet a girl, you know, the whole life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> right? uh, no more time for, you know, Commander Alex. Right now, how is the, you know, I know um, kind of in the world scheme of things, uh, there's kind of like that you have the the Spanish painters and then, you know, German painters and things along those lines that are kind of always viewed as kind of this upper echelon. And the U.S. is kind of like in, I don't want to say the baby stages, but certainly we're growing and improving, but we're nowhere like we're nowhere near like kind of the quantity artists that are in like in europe where where is canada fit kind of in this in this painting world because i know there are a few i've seen a few canadian artists that are are awesome i wish i had their uh, my brain is blanking right now you know i'm it's hard for me to answer that question uh simply because i'm a very solitary painter i mm-hmm. don't share a lot of my work online i keep to myself with my painting because i paint mostly for myself uh and I'm kind of before the social media generation, so I don't really uh, post a lot of stuff online. But I mean, when it comes to like the Canadian painting things, I would say there's probably no difference between the U.S. to like there's really no difference. Most Canadians um, participate in a lot of American conventions. We don't really have many up here. So. I mean, to say or suggest that there would be a difference, I don't really see any um, because there is a lot of fantastic Canadian painters. Um, One that jumps right to mind is Michael Bell. Um, He's from, I believe, Saskatchewan or Manitoba, uh, which is the west end of the country. 
And then you have like Team Montreal, which I remember they were really, really prevalent around in the, in the late 90s and the early 2000s for games days. Um, and they, I believe that they really cut, um, you know, blazed a trail for uh, Canadian painters to like get really serious about painting it and kind of take it to the United States, you know, like, Hey, we're here too. You can go down and compete with the United States. But I don't think that really we are anywhere on par um, with, you know, the people over in Europe. I mean, I could name a few like James Craig, fantastic world renowned painter. He's, he lives like hundred kilometers from me. Um, so I do think like there has been inroads from Canadians into like that echelon, that upper echelon, but I don't think it's as, large as the united states just because of the, you know the population right mm-hmm. i mean we only have we only have one tenth of what you guys so i mean i don't really i can't really say if there's any big difference between the hobby communities other than the convention scene right right which I mean, is we don't have right any, now i don't <laughs> right yeah, absolutely there is none but like we i i mean i've been i've came back to the hobby in like my late 20s uh mid 20s and we really i think the last games day we had was like 1999 2001 i think around there mm-hmm. um yeah that's right around the time really games any... workshop pulled up stakes and like kind of yes. went in on themselves for a while yeah yeah so i don't really think that i think that that kind of hurt the canadian painting community as a whole because we didn't have something for our, our own even right. though people came up from the states to compete it was kind of our event Mm-hmm. Um, I think that hurt Canadian painters in the long run, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to get good at it, you just got to keep practicing. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're European, American or Canadian. Um, it's one big community. Right. Yeah, right. It's, so, it's so different than when we started out. Right. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. Like I remember when I first started, I went to my first game stay. I thought, Oh, I painted the best model I've ever painted in my life. I'm going to win an award. And you know, my heart was crushed. Um, and I was able to sit down with, you know, some of the most talented painters I have ever met that pushed me down the road to paint competitively. Um, Vincent Houdon from team Montreal, like he, he won the demon Lord, I believe the last golden demon in uh, Canada. And it's such a huge inspiration, but I mean, it's been, I can't really see that there's a difference between Canada and us or even Europe for painters. I just think that we maybe are just a little behind in some regards, just because we don't have all those conventions that Europe or the United States has to, you know, bring the community together and to push and motivate one another to be better painters, right? We all got to travel. Right. And, and I was, your right. Dis- our disadvantage to Europe was that all the Euro- they hop on a train and they can visit any country in the world easily, you know, like it's a lot smaller. So they built communities much faster here. We're more spread out. But I was going to say, even in Canada, it's even more spread out, right? With less dense population, et cetera. Right. And there's no, like, I mean, for the Americans, like you guys have Adepticon, you have Gen Con, you have LVO, Nova, like they're mm-hmm. kind of all over the country, right? It's not, but I mean, exactly what you said in Europe, you got Game Day UK, Game Day Spain, Game Day Portugal, Game Day, you know, Italy, like it seems like, and then you got, you know, the scale model challenge and the world model expo, you know, like Montan Savino, right. You know, like all that. Yeah. Stuff, you and then you got, you got, uh, the one in London that happens every year. I can't remember like salute or something like yeah, that. Salute. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Salute. Like, yeah. Like, so, I mean, I mean, I can't, 
I think that's the huge thing that pays dividends for the European painters is that they constantly have this, this continual stream of competitiveness with events going on mm-hmm. that they're able to just continually motivate. But I think that the communities over there for painting versus Canadian painters, they're a lot tighter. Uh, you know, cause the, like you said, uh, Europe's a lot closer together, right? Like Michael Bell, he lives in Manitoba. The only way that me and him could maybe learn to paint from one another would be through a FaceTime call or a Skype or zoom. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's not the same thing as sitting down. Like if me and you were to sit down at your place and paint some models and learn from one another, not the same thing. Right. right. So I think the, I think the Europe, you know, has a big edge over us in that case. And I think really there's no difference between this side of the pond I don't think there's really a difference between Canadian and American painters. I mean, I will say one thing though, that our hobby community up here, because we are so sparsely uh, spread out in our country, it's a lot harder to, to, to organize um, events because, you know, I think maybe where I live, there's probably about maybe 40 to 60 active players. You travel 40 kilometers East. There's probably about three to 500. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So like, I mean, the communities are not as, you know, some are richer with more people and some have less. So mm-hmm. there's a big imbalance in our country. I think in our gaming communities, it's not as prevalent across the country like it is in the U S I mean, right. I, I mean, you could answer the question for me. Like you could go to pretty much any small or even larger metropolis in your country and find a hobby store. True. Very true. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and here, um, closest games workshop to me is an hour and 20 minute drive Ooh, ouch um and then as you move east the next one's about four hours away so we don't yeah yeah, it's it's very different um i mean like when i was in chicago recently it seemed like there was a hobby store I, i i think we went by four of them on the trip to adepticon that day oh wow yeah so i mean it but you know we have one in my city one that's about it you see so. the, the, I, I laugh because we have we have a games workshop in here in northern virginia then we have there's one little place called the curio Ca- cavern that's very small very li- more focused on magic and dungeons and dragons so very limited but if i travel 45 minutes south to where my co-host lives there's like six of them in, in, in Fredericksburg. I'm like, why are there so many hobby stores here? <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful city too. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think mm. I don't I remember last time I was at Nova, we took a little drive out to Fredericksburg just to hit up a couple of those hobby stores. Just because right. a friend of mine mentioned, hey, you know, there's like it's like a hobby heaven down here. You could Mm-hmm. Like, let's yeah, go check like it out. Games Gar- Game Garrison, which is really a, pain- a super painter friendly store. Like that's where if you if, if you want if they do gaming stuff, but they have a lot of they they carry the scale seventy fives. They carry all that you know, like kind of the artist type level stuff. And then there's uh, other places that are like there's also a couple of train stores too, which I love going into. That's where you get the best scenery material. You know, like the best basing. Absolutely. You know, and the cheaper cheaper than hobby. Like you know, like. Well, you buy from the hobby stuff but all right well let me let me switch gears a little bit with uh with you on this but i want want to kind of ask a chicken egg question so um, okay did you want to become a competitive painter before you became a commission painter or did you become a commission painter before you wanted to become uh, a competitive painter that's a great question um it's a little harder to answer that question 
uh, you know, just to give you a fixed answer, I, it's hard to do. Um, for me, it was, uh, when I was younger, I made some poor mistakes in my life and, um, games workshop, the hobby of games workshop, Warhammer, whatnot changed my life. Um, so I got into painting because it was an escape from the mistakes I had made. It wasn't really to be competitive or to be a commission painter. It was something to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always wanted to work at games workshop. It was a dream for like, I can, from the first time I went into that castle store, Tonawanda mall. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I got to games, when I finally got into games workshop and was working for, for them, um, I was just painting because I wanted to be the best painter in the store. It wasn't really to enter events or anything like that. Right. Uh, so I started out as just a casual painter because it was part of my agreement as an employee of Games Workshop. You have to paint models. So I just got really, really good at it. I actually never intended to become a commission painter. It just kind of happened. Um, I remember the Orcs got a new codex. I think it was fifth edition. And uh, there was a guy called Wazdaka Gutsmeck. <laughs> and I fell in love with this character, a guy on a motorcycle with a huge axe. Oh, sign me up. Ghost Rider. Right. Um, <laughs> So I built this, this custom Wazdaka Gutsmech model and uh, went, to, went into work the next day at Games Workshop. And uh, how many times can I say Games Workshop in this conversation? I was going to say, <laughs> they were getting a lot of free advertising, <laughs> considering they ignore, our asses. They, they ignore us a lot. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, um, I was playing a game with my orcs. And uh, this gentleman by the name of Mark came up to me and he's like, what's that? Oh, I'm like, that's my Wazdaka Gutsmech. Oh, can I buy it? Excuse me? You, you want to buy my models? Did I hear you correctly? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want to buy that. It's super cool. It's an awesome most orc thing I've ever seen. Log. I was like, how about I make you one? Because I like, I didn't, I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I kind of just said it. How about I make you one? And he's like, cool. What do I need? I was like, you need this, 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 and this. A couple days goes by, he came back into the store, throws all the stuff on the counter. He goes, so how much is it going to cost me for this? I'm like, that's how it works? I was just being friendly. <laughs> Canadian thing. Um, so I ended up making this model for him, and uh, I painted it all up. I gave it to him. A couple weeks goes by. Um, he saw me at the store, came by. He's like, hey, what are you doing after work? I'm like, not much. He's like, oh, I got something I'd like to talk to you about. So I was like, cool. So he met me after work, uh, shows up with this huge stack of works models. He's like, you want to paint all these for me? I don't have the time. So I can, I really like how you paint stuff. And so the journey began nice. and, uh, Mark, Mark just kind of just kept feeding me stuff after that orcs. Then it was a couple, uh, Warhound Titan. And then it was some more space Marines. And then it just kept, I didn't really see it as a commission business. It was more like, I'm just helping out a fellow gamer in my community and it's paying for my hobby so i did that and then i started a blog and i started blogging on uh because i think like blogging right who does that anymore <laughs> um so i started a blog and i was blogging all the time on there like every day posting stuff and uh i had you know a few bites here and there i wasn't I wasn't actually looking to paint for other people but it was i guess my painting appealed to people and I uh, just one person asked and another one and then another one. And before I knew it, I was painting models for people full time. I quit my job at Games Workshop and I 
started my own studio in my house and I started painting models full time. Wow. So it wasn't really till um, years later that I decided to get back into competitive painting. Um, mm. And part of the reason was the, when I went to that last games day, um, it killed it. it. It killed competitive painting for me. I was like, I'm, I, you know, I said to myself, I said, if I really want to do this, I need to step away from this and come back in five, 10 years and learn and get better. And that's what I did. I left the compet. I, I it was my last game stay. And then I started competing again in painting in about 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. I got back into it after about 15 year absence. Um, I didn't just develop my skills over time. It was just, I got, the thing is, is like, I think the one thing to uh, give us some perspectives, like when you paint a lot of models for people and you don't paint so much for yourself, when you do get the chance to paint something for yourself, and I'm speaking for myself, uh, I wanted to paint it better than anything I had painted for anybody else. And that was kind of what pushed me into competitive painting was that I want my work to be better than the work that people are buying from me. Very cool. That's a different, that's a different form of motivation. I like that. Uh, That's very cool. Now, let, let me ask you this question along those lines. How did commission painting impact your painting in general, in general? Well, the one thing that really changed for me was planning. And I think that's, something that a lot of painters should learn how to do plan Mm -hmm. how you paint i know like a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with picking up your model and just painting it just you know you're 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 super excited you're into it you're like hey i'm gonna paint this and you just you get home with it you crack it open you take off all the mold lines don't forget people always take the mold lines off your models Mm -hmm. um put your model together and they just start painting it they're excited i get it but the one thing that um, really changed my personal painting from being a commissioned painter was planning. Because when you're a commissioned painter, you need to plan. You can't just pick up the models and start painting. You've got to look at it from a technical point of view. Okay, I'm going to do all this color. Then I'm going to come back and do all this color. Then I'm going to do that color and then this color and then this and then that. And I think that process of planning through a project just like anybody who maybe has like a, is a stockbroker or a car dealer, you know, they plan, they make plans and they put them into the motion and then they move through them. So I did the same thing with painting and that really affected the way that I personally painted because I was able to understand color theory, better application technique, and just overall aesthetics of a model because I was able to like, plan it out so i could understand this might not work with this this will work with that and it gave me a better understanding of how to compose a better piece overall excellent and i i think one one of the things i kind of wanted to follow up with that so planning is uh, when you when you talk about planning are you are you going even like as far as saying write it down put it in a notebook etc uh, and not just necessarily having a, an idea in your head. Well, I mean, absolutely. I would highly suggest writing it down. Um, you know, you're even doing a stick figure sketch with a couple shoulder pads and a bolt gun on it. it doesn't got to look pretty, but just something that you can see visually where you need to go. It also found that it was very motivating because I could be like, oh, okay, these 10 Ultramarines, 
I've done all the blue on them. <gasps> I only got to do the gold on the shoulder pads and the faces kind of gives you a sense of more. I've accomplished something, <laughs> you know, you, you set those small goals through planning. You're able to feel better about your painting in the long run because you can see the small goals that you're taking on your road to completion. Nice. I like that kind of grabbing low hanging fruit to keep, keep the business, you know, keep it going. Yeah. So you don't look at it and go, I haven't made any progress on any of these. Right. And like to give you, yeah, no, the whole story of my life. (laughs) I mean, just to give you an example, um, I recently did a job not too long ago. And I, what I decided to do was I built all the models first. And then what I do is I'll go through it and I will paint all the, the color that is used the most on that project, I would paint that onto all the models first. And then I would go back and be like, okay, what's the second most used color here? And I would paint that onto all the models. And then I would go, okay, what's the next? So on and so forth. But then I got to a point where it's like, okay, let's start working on some details before I start putting in these colors. Cause we've all painted a model where it's like, Oh, I don't want to get that black on that super cool yellow knee pad. Right. And that's where I mean, like with the planning, if you knew, like, you know what I mean? Planning, you can plan it out. So that's like, I don't want to make a mistake on my yellow. So maybe I should paint all the other colors before I get to the yellow or pink or whatever color it is. Right. So painting models for people is a business. And I feel like a lot of our, a lot of people who get into commissions don't necessarily treat it as a business. Um, and they treat it as kind of a, a hobby within the hobby. And so I guess one of my questions is, so w- w- for maybe for like a commission painter, who's just kind of starting out, um, I know the gut reaction. I know I, I'm, I'm in that process of trying to decide whether I want to do it or not. I, I, I'm getting, I'm starting to get more and more requests for, for painting things. Um, how do you control kind of yourself? Um, and what I mean by that is if you were to look at a, a Sergio Calvo's tabletop level, that is <laughs> h- probably higher than most commission painting services gold tier, right? And that's his tabletop right. level that he can paint at at a ridiculous speed. Um, He's a fantastic painter. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so the question I, I kind of have is how do you kind of control yourself from when you first do your first commission, kind of going for lack of a better phrase, ape shit and paying much painting much higher than a tabletop. And then now your customer comes back to you three months later, now that you're bogged down and say, okay, I want that same level for the same price. Cause it's not like that. They shouldn't be the same price because they're two different services for sure. But do you see it? Right. Do you see where I'm kind of going? Like kind of both managing your, uh, your, behavior and managing customer expectations and i absolutely understand what you're asking me uh the best way i could put it is when you go to a car dealership to buy a car does the car salesman try to sell you the best car he has on the lot or does he try to sell you the car that fits you Uh, it's usually the best car on the lot (laughs) at least in the u.s (laughs) right right my point is is that you can't do that with commission painting you can't because unless you're Sergio Calvo, but I mean, he didn't start out that way. Right. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the one thing for me was that when I was commissioned painting, I didn't show people the stuff I worked for, on for myself unless they were close friends and could understand, Hey, listen, this is for me. This has my heart into it. Mm-hmm. 
Not saying I don't put my heart into your stuff. I just don't put as much of it into it. So like, I mean, the same thing would be said though, you have to think about in a time management issue. If I painted every single commission to the best of my ability, I'd never make any money. Because people usually, that's what commission painting is about, right? We want to, that's what it boils down to. You know, people, if you want to just paint models for free for people, by all means, I go ahead, do it. But I mean, if you want to paint models for people and make money, you have to find the most efficient way to do it. And the best way to go about that is just find a standard that you're comfortable working with at a comfortable pace that keeps your clients happy. Well, it doesn't sense. have to be. It doesn't have to be the best looking piece or anything like that. But the other thing I have to, I would suggest is painting is a, a very, very subjective uh, topic. Mm-hmm. You might not like my style. I might not like your style, but this person might like my style and so on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, just paint what you're comfortable with, paint how you're comfortable with. And if people like it, then just stick with that. That's what's comfortable for you. But the worst thing you could probably do for yourself is paint up something like extremely extravagant and then be like, I do commission work. You just shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> right? right. You know, it's not like going to the car dealership and the guy comes out and says, you want the, the, the top of the line Corvette, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be by the top of the line Corvette. You don't want, you don't want to have that approach to it. it. It will end up hurting you in the long run. And I know people that have started commission businesses and put out their best work and they caved within a couple of years because they just could not keep up. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm for me on a personal level, I'm only doing it to defray the cost of going to ReaperCon. So I'm just using it. I, like once, once I've made the money to go to ReaperCon, I'm done. <laughs> hey, I, I haven't never been to ReaperCon, but I hear it's going this year. I would probably see you there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my goal is to get there and I'm trying to, I, I always try to, cause I have, I have, I have three kids and you know, you just a household to, to, to keep afloat with my wife. Um, I try to make the hobby as budget neutral as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the hobby's not a cheap hobby and just being, a, just, just being alive in this, this existence is not cheap anyways. Right. Very <laughs> I mean, true. Very um, true. But you know, like when it comes to commission painting, the best thing I could tell somebody is if you want to be a commission painter, just paint up something that you're comfortable painting with and approach a, com- a reputable commission studio and ask for feedback. Cause they know, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the funny thing is like, <clears throat> um, is that that's the one thing that people should, you can't be afraid to get the criticism, but I find that like, if you can take what you feel is a comfortable tabletop standard, or you think this is good enough that people might want to buy, see what commission studios think of it. Most commission studios are not going to say yes. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not going to, sorry, they're not going to say no. They're more than likely will say, yeah, that's pretty good. Or this is where you need to improve, or this is what should you should work on to get better, to maybe be a commission painter, because those are the people that are informed on how that business works. Trying to dive into it on your own. I don't recommend it. I did it and it was tough, but I, I, I was lucky. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you have to, that's my best advice. If you do want to get into it. I mean, Ask another studio, get feedback from the studios. They know what's going on. Like there's lots of reputable commission studios out there that have been around for a long time. They have to have to be doing something right. 
Right. And if you get good, you can get good feedback and get better. And what they may have found is a, a future painter for their studio. Maybe you never know. You just open an opportunity for yourself that you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You just, you just open an opportunity for yourself because down the line, they could be like, well, this guy's got a lot better. Maybe we should bring him on board. You know, nice. Excellent. then you don't have to worry about the whole exchange of between clients and, and feedback and communication because running a commission studio is extremely difficult, especially a successful one. I can imagine. Yeah. And there's no, there's no guidance. There's no regulation. It's all, it's all, right. you know, it's all kind of free form. You know what I mean? No, all I right, mean, so- like if you want, I ahead, mean, to, to, to close, uh, to close on that point, I mean, if you do want to be a commission painter and you want to try and start up your own studio, the best two pieces of advice I could give to you is never, ever make up excuses when you're talking to your client and always be honest. And always always i cannot stress this enough communication will save your ass every single time in a problem spot that makes a lot of sense every single every single time because you know um if you have transparency with your clients your clients are more willing to understand and if you leave the conversations with your clients where they feel like you were truthful and honest with them they're most likely willing to be understanding mm-hmm. you know uh, instead of like ignoring them or just giving them short answers or saying, oh, I'll talk to you later about it, confront it, communicate and conquer it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense for sure, man. I appreciate your your perspective on the uh, on the the commission side, but I want to delve a little bit into your competitive side because where you and I first met a couple of years ago at the Nova Open was the year you entered, I believe, was it Mordian? I think that's the right name, Mordian on a rotating. Mort, Mort, Go ahead. Mortarian. Okay. See, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not as obsessed with a certain company as a lot of people out there are. <laughs> oh, I'm not obsessed. No, just, no, no, I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you are. I'm just trying to not say their name. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably like, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed. I like, I'm oh, infatuated. No. Like, <laughs> I uh, live and breathe games workshop. That's fine. No, it's you know what it 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 is. They're the they're the big gorilla on the block, right? There's nothing nothing you can do about that. But uh, so I I want to talk to you about now. It doesn't have to be about that model per se because that was a few years ago. But I do want to kind of talk to you about your process. Like, talk to me about. So I mean, how do you go from hmm? I'm looking at this model. This thing needs to rotate. You know, like what is kind of talk to me a little bit about that creative process and maybe tell us a little bit about what kind of models kind of, because I know when you pick up stuff, it isn't always like, oh, that's a display piece. But a lot of times it's kind of like, ah, it's all right. I'll, I'll paint it and fun. But, you know, there's, but obviously that model sent something off in you. And so I'm just kind of curious as to what all happened and your process. That was a long ass question. My bad. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, short answer. I was visited in my dreams by the Nurgle God. Nice. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm nice. Totally kidding. No, totally no, kidding. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. You're going to be branded with that forever. <laughs> I do. I got all four chaos gods tattooed on my arm. Um, <laughs> uh, no, to be, to be honest. Um, okay. So like when that model came out, I was like, this is amazing. Like finally, the finally games workshop gave chaos something juicy other mm-hmm. than, uh, Magnus the Red, which was an amazing model. Um, but I'm not big on feathered wings. So, I mean, when Mortarian came out, I was like, oh, I really, really want this model. Uh, so I ended up picking it up. 
And uh, it sat here for months and months and months before I got to it. Um, because I always put my commission work before my personal work. Um, happy clients are positive, good thing. Yeah. Um, so my whole, like how that all came about was to be completely honest with you. Um, so I was sitting at my desk one afternoon and, um, my girlfriend at the time, she came in from the craft store and she had these brown discs that she was going to use to paint stuff on. And I was like, that'd be really cool to like, put like some sort of diorama on. Um, and I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to try something like completely different here. So I kind of like, that's where the idea started. Just this simple wooden disc. And I sat on it for a little while. And then I remember one night I was watching, I believe it was supernatural. And uh, if you're not familiar with the TV show, it's basically what it sounds like. Supernatural two guys drive around in a crazy car, you know, dealing with supernatural. Um, and there was a scene where like this winged demon came jumping over a fence to, to deal with one of the characters in the show. And just the way that he shot the demon in the show was just like kind of from the hip, like a ultramarine. And I was like, that'd be really, really cool to have like Morty jumping over a building, ready to Just like take down some ultramarines. And the idea was just born. Nice. I was just like, that'd be so cool to just do. And I have a really big fascination with uh, like creating models that are like, how is that sitting there? How is it looking? Like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? I want to build a competitive piece where it kind of makes you like, how the hell did he pull that off? Um, in the building phase, not with the paint. Um, <laughs> So I was just like that whole idea is like I wanted to make it look like Morty was jumping over a fence. And I just kind of like worked through the ideas on my own. They kind of just came to me creatively. It wasn't like really I didn't really sit down and plan out the idea until I really had a good idea of what did I wanted to do with these models that I had. And I never went out and bought the model specifically to, you know, have a competition piece or build a competition piece. It was kind of just like, OK, I got this wood disc. I just watched Supernatural. I got Morty and I got these three extra ultramarines that are kicking around that I would probably make into dead bodies because, well, anyways. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you know, why don't I put this all together? And I just started like working with it. And at the time when I was building more terrain, I had this really big uh, kick on getting better at building terrain, building like scenery pieces and stuff for like miniatures or tabletop gaming and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to see where I could push my skills by amalgamating all those things into one project. Um, the rotating base thing that came just at Nova, just like David's like, you should put this on a rotating base. Let's do it. You know, right. I mean, to just to give that visual appeal to it, which helped immensely. But um, I didn't really plan that project out. It really just kind of just, I was watching a show, the piece the next day at the studio, the pieces were in front of me and it kind of just all like, I just snapped. I was just like, whoa, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I just, I saw it visually in my mind. And I was like, I'm going to build that. And the funny thing is, is that when I do competition pieces, nine out of 10 times, it's just something in my mind just creatively comes up with this idea and I can visualize exactly what I want to do. And I don't need to plan. It's just, I already know. Whereas like when I do in commission painting, I always plan. So it's very strange. It's very different on both sides. No, I mean, that's a, I, I get it. And it's all, you never know where inspiration is going to strike. You know, I'm working on a piece that, um, I don't actually really drink, but uh, for our anniversary, I took my wife to some, uh, we went 
to Charlottesville in our area, which is a lot of wineries and stuff like that. And uh, uh, the image on the front of a bottle of wine, and it was like, oh, that's a steampunk base if I've ever seen it. And so, you know, I went, <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, I want this steampunk model for Christmas, honey. I'm going to put that on this base that we saw on our anniversary wine. You know, like, <laughs> right, you know, right. It's amazing what when those things kind of come from. Yeah, and you know that's it's. I'm sure that it happens to a lot of enth- hobby enthusiasts that it just it happens for them. I mean, I mean, but like in this case with the Mortarium model, um, the year before I had competed in the the Nova Open uh, Capital Palette, mm-hmm. I did pretty good, and I was like, you know what, I want to be. I, I kind of was like, my whole process with it was like, I want to do something that people will remember. I don't care if I win or nothing, but I want, you know, talk about my piece because like I said earlier in the conversation, I don't really post a lot of my work on social media. Right. I prefer to take them to events and have that kind of feedback and let people take pictures of my work and share it on their own, talk to their friends about it and get them inspired. Right. And that was such an incredible year at the Nova too. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't envy judges because that having to decide, you know, for the best diorama between yours and then Sam Lenz's that was there that year. Oh, his was just something out of this world though. Yeah. I don't know, man, and but they're still there. They're, they were, they're, they're both Nurgle. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm seeing and, a theme here with good painters. Right. <laughs> I mean, Sam is a huge inspiration for me. I've met him a few times. He's a fantastic human being. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's a beginning guest on the show too. And he's helped me before with many, like I've had questions, seen him at a con, how do I do this? How do I do that? And whatnot. It was just like the year before I didn't know who Sam was. Like mm-hmm. I heard of him, but I never met him. And then when I went to the Nova and I saw him and he beat me, I was just like, okay, next time around, I'm going to do something to beat him. And it's right. not so much about the competitive thing is, it's more of like, I'm trying to motivate myself to push the limits and push the boundaries because let's be real here you don't wake up an award-winning metal paint award-winning painter overnight it takes time and it takes practice mm-hmm. absolutely and that's i don't think there's anything i, I don't know I, I tried to explain this to somebody that was saying you know like was arguing with me about competitions being bad and i was kind of or, or like uh, kind of how you approach competitions and i'm like well i don't enter something to lose right i don't compete to lose I'm okay with play, you know, I'm okay with the results also based on my effort and stuff along those lines to, to determine right. kind of my expectations. But, you know, like wanting to compete with Sam, I don't think he would ever find us an insult. He'd be like, yeah, well, I'm going to one up you right back. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, I think he's a, that, the, the good natured level of competition, I think only can push American and Canadian painters higher. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, and, and to, to, to touch on that point, I've never, ever encountered um, someone saying, oh, you shouldn't enter or you shouldn't go against that person or you shouldn't do this or anything. If anything, it's been the total opposite, oh, nice. you know, and, and that's my, 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 my message to anybody. If you're going into a painting competition and you're like, I'm going to lose anyways, don't even, you've already lost mm-hmm. because you've, you've lost in your own mind. You got to go into them. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, as long as you come away from that learning something to be better so that next time you increase your chances of winning instead of losing. 
Right. And, 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 you and know, to me, that, con- that, that, sorry, I don't, I apologize for interrupting, but to, to me, even the, the win is getting better each time. You know what I mean? Like, even if, you know, I know right now my painting doesn't compete with, I'm not in master's level, like, like a, you or a Sam lens, but I'm actually going to probably start entering my stuff into masters because I need to keep pushing. You know, it's a, it's a challenge, Absolutely. You, you know what I mean? And, and so it's something that while I can say is I don't think I'm going to win, but I'm going to try my damnedest to put the best model on the table. And right. And I'm going to stand there. I'm going to hand that model to one of those painters that's better than me and say, hey, do you have a moment? Can you critique it? I'm going to have a notebook out. and I'm going to write every damn word down, they say. (laughs) (laughs) Or just bring them on your show and record them. Amen. That's another way of doing it, too. You have now figured you figured out the whole ploy and plan of the podcast, which is just. We're not in it to make money. We're just in it to meet great artists and cool people and learn shit about painting, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, and to a perfect example of this, um, Joshua, I think his name's Joshua Dunkerley or Josh Dunkerley. Now uh, he has a page on Facebook. It's called the forever finalist. Um, he entered a Nova numerous years. And I mean, like, I think three years in a row, mm-hmm. always a finalist. He never meddled. And, you know, at a point, I remember he was very, very demoralized because, like, you know, I get it. I was there. That's why I left competitive painting when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing was, instead of him saying, like, oh, I've tried my best. I I guess I'm not good enough. No. What did he do? He embraced the fact that he was a finalist and said, I'm just going to keep painting and getting better and getting better because eventually I will actually be a medalist and not just a finalist his attitude changed when he realized that like he was so close to being one of those people that wins a medal he just Mm -hmm. needed to push a little harder now this year if we have nova i'm very confident that he will place right because he's you know he's been down that road and so have i and i use him as an example because he's a fantastic person he's a great painter it's just that one year that you went, the field was saturated, man. Like there was a lot of freaking amazing stuff that year. I mean, right. even for me, I was just like, this is going to be tough, but yeah, you know, he gave some, he, he gave me some great advice, you know, just because you don't win doesn't mean you give up. Absolutely. You and know? you know, it's interesting. So, That's kind of the way I, I kind of have a, a weird painting thing. Right. So like when I, when I, I first went, I took a class, I, the games workshop guys told me to take, you know, I should go to Nova, take a class in painting. Cause uh, you know, I really liked painting. And so I just did it one year. I went one, one, once one class, I, it was Caleb and Kat from CK studios. And they kind of got me really wanting, wanting to paint. And then the next year I actually entered a couple pieces and I, actually got pins i was like holy crap i got how did i even get pins here you know what i mean like right then the second year i entered in pieces i actually meddled and i was like holy crap i even meddled in my second year ever since then wasn't that the year that wasn't the year that i met you um it was a diorama that i had of uh it wasn't the year you judged it was the yeah uh, it was the year you entered the mordian Yep. Yep. No, I remember. I remember yeah, that. It was a little girl with a, like, it was a little Bo Peep joke or a little, uh, lost I remember that. Thing. Go ahead. I remember, sorry. And I remember the look of shock on your face when they called your name too. Yeah. He, I just had no, no idea. <laughs> he won. Like <laughs> you did it. Like, that's amazing. You know? Um, yeah. 
And then uh, the year after that was like, it was a total disaster. Like I, I, I went into it. I had two pieces. One piece I knew was okay. Cause I just, I wound up, I, I, I worked on it, worked hard and it was just kind of, it was boring. It was just a minotaur. And then the second piece okay. I did was these two little girls looking across each other called the thing she sees. And I put so much soul into that. And right. I was like, okay, clear. Okay. I have to do just at least, least I need to get another bronze. Right. Just then right. Uh, break even. And then I got a, then I got a pin for it. And I was so heartbroken, but, <laughs> and I, it kind of almost killed me for painting. You know what I mean? It, it, like, I was like, Oh, I think I'm, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can pour that much energy into something in a competitive piece and turn around. Um, and then I know probably a listeners, I I've talked about this a few times, but, uh, probably tired of hearing it, but it was, it was interesting because it, <laughs> it was kind of like the friends network is what kind of talked me down from the ledge, you know, <laughs> you know, of, of yeah, no, I get it. I get and, it. You know, and it's just, it was such, I think I needed to go through maybe the it sounds like kind of almost sadistic, but I think I needed to go through that kind of heartbreak to right. understand or have a realistic perspective of where I was in painting. And I'll, I'll, I even know that I said technique be damned. I'm focusing on emotion. I don't care if you can see the brush strokes. It's all, I want to elicit a reaction. You know what I mean? And that did not translate to a competitive, like somebody, if you're looking at a scorecard and going, well, you know, there's the, the, the blends aren't smooth or, you know what I'm saying? And so that type of scorecard that were, that piece was never suited for, I didn't paint for the competition, which was my mistake. You know what I mean? True. You know? And so, I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Sorry. I mean, I mean, I get no, you're what fine. you're saying. Um, I mean, like the one thing that I could say is like, if, if you go in, the one thing that I found for me, and after even talking to other people that have entered painting competitions, if you go into it with preconceived ideas, you're always going to be let down. Yep. That's a good point. <laughs> and that was something that after my first year at Nova, I came home, I had a medal. I was like, holy crap, I won a medal. What mm -hmm. the fudge? I was like, okay, cool. So when I went back the year that I met you with Mortarian, I was just like, I'm freaking winning this show. <laughs> I don't even give a shit. And if I don't win this show, well, then I'm going to find out who did. And I'm going to become that guy's best friend. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the thing is that like when you enter competitions, don't get rid of your expectations. <laughs> it's the best thing because there won't be any heartbreak. There'll only be learning. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a maturation process. It seems like, you know, you have to kind of grow up inside the world of painting almost. Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't start like the only reason I started at masses was because like, you know, I mean, most people I would say start from the bottom and work your way up, you know, apprentice journeyman and then to masters. But I mean, in my case, I already been painting for like 15 years, mm -hmm. you know, um, so it was just like, let's dive right in, like jump in that pool of sharks and let's see if I can get out without becoming chum, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and I, and I did, I successfully traversed the waters, made some great friends, learned a lot of stuff. But then I remember like, there were some painters that like had entered like apprentice and journeyman. They're like, Oh, I didn't win. I didn't win. I'm like, you know what? Go home and paint like your boss, but don't paint, don't paint 
paint for you first before you paint to break someone else's heart. Hmm. Cause that's what it is. That's what competitive painting is about, right? Broken winning and breaking hearts. <laughs> you know, that is certainly, yes, that is a true statement. <laughs> it is. It's cut and dry. You either win or lose. There's nothing else. Usually the people that lose are pretty heartbroken. And usually the people that win are very humbled and you know, there's no hubris there. And they're usually willing. And most of the time, times they're immensely, um, you know, uh, immensely uh, attracted to the prospect of talking to people that are coming up through the painting, competitive painting world, because the more competitive the painting world is, the more we all have to push ourselves to become better. All the, you know, what is it? The rising tides raises all ships, right? You know, the more competitive the scene gets, the better all the painters get everywhere, you know? Exactly. And I think that comes back to a point that you were talking about earlier between Europe and Canada. I just think that they're further along that curve than we are. And that's mm -hmm. why they're so for, much further ahead of us in, in terms of painting. I mean, don't get me wrong. We still have our anomalies here. Sam Lenz, Vincent Ventrula, John Margiotta, um, you know, Don Suratos. There's, I, could, I could go on. <laughs> I could go. I mean, uh, Eric, throw in Eric Swinson. Matt, I mean, oh, how could I forget him? <laughs> or Matt DiPietro, Contrast yeah. Studios, Aaron Love. I mean, I know uh, Shoshi Bauer. I mean, there's so many amazing U.S. artists out there. That, and it's, just, I mean, and I bet you I'm going to throw a name out to you that you may not know. And it was an artist that um, when I, after that second year of the Nova and I took a Roman Laplatte class, uh, it was just like an hour long display class. And I didn't even realize it, but I was sitting next to Vince Venturella in it um, and, uh, and my co-host. So we wound up this small world. That's how our company, you know, we wound up meeting my co-host just through classes at the Nova, but uh, that's awesome. And uh, so what happens is, uh, God damn it. I lost this. Thing. Oh, oh, um, I got into his Facebook group and uh, okay. like because I was a student. And so I'm seeing this guy, this, uh, this American painter, David Powell. And I'm like, I oh, thought he's actually a really good painter. I only thought um, Europeans could paint like that. Like, he was the first American painter. And that was only when I, I mean, there are plenty out there. I, he was just the first that I was introduced to. And, but then here's a small world syndrome for you. And this is going to piss me off for the rest of my life. Um, he actually lived in my area um, for a long period of time. And then, and I only found that out because I joined this national capital model soldier society, which is basically a bunch of old people. And I get together and paint, you know, talk about painting and they're, they're mostly in historical stuff. And they're not old people. It's a fantastic group. I love it. Um, I just want to make fun of them, but uh, Sounds relaxing. It actually is great. You know, it's a great, we meet once a month and just chit chat. Uh, they hosted a virtual show, et cetera, but he was in that damn group and they kept talking about this guy, David Powell, David Powell, David Powell's an amazing artist. And I'm like, is that is that the same guy? Sure enough, but by the time I had joined, he had moved out of the area. And I'm like, oh, oh my god, if I could have like sat like two or three times with him just to paint, just to absorb watch him paint would have been fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just so stuff like that. This the community, like I I missed out on so many little opportunities like that. But yeah, I, there's there's so there's even ones that probably a lot of people don't know, like a David Powell. Um that are just breathtaking artists you know what i mean oh i mean like absolutely there's 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 tons of them out there i mean it's just it's all about like the community's got so many big names now and it, it's you know that's also another thing it's hard to penetrate that 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like if you look at people like Vince, Vince is constantly updating his social media. Same with John. And, and uh, I don't know about Sam much lens oh, yeah. for him on social media, but I mean, like a lot of them are constantly and constantly and constantly to break into that, to get, and it's not a competition by any means. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just to follow their suit, to break into that. It's, it's tough. You got to no, be dedicated Vince and, to Vince it. and Sam have both been on the show. They've been super helpful whenever I ask them questions about it and stuff. No, there's, there's no, uh, there, 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 there's no competitive nature in them. Not like I, I mean, my God, those guys are, are legends of their own. So yeah, no, I mean, you're right. They absolutely are on, on social media. There, there is a promotional side of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like for any context of Sam, he's running a business. So you know, he's yeah. got his Patreon, et cetera. So that they have to do that. And, uh, you know, then you throw in, they have the other people like Dan and I who are like, oh my God, who's going to post on social media for us this week? You, you know, <laughs> you play the not it game, you know. Right, right. And, well, as long as you're posting, that's all that matters, right? Keep the content flowing. Right. Yeah, that's I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's, we'll get there someday, you know. And I keep forgetting that I have it. I'm like, damn it, I have a Twitter account. I need to post on that. Um <laughs> That's the, important. So, so uh, kind of like to one of the things I like to always ask um, artists that we have on the show that 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 are competitive. Um, so if a if a painter wants to take their stuff from tabletop and they they want to paint display slash competitive, do you have any kind of advice um, or like is there some a, a few tools that they really need to kind of take that next step? Don't because then I got to compete against them later on. <laughs> no, 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 all kidding aside. Um, you know, from going to table, to, it's it's not as a big of a leap as you would think it is. Um, the thing is, is that like, I mean, the challenges that I kind of faced was that you just kind of have to learn to paint outside your comfort zone. Um, and some of the good tools to use to get from the tabletop to the competitive display painting pieces, uh, just buy a model and paint it. Don't paint it to sell it. Don't paint it to put it in your collection. Practice. Buy models to practice on. Try new things. Throw them in a box. Pick up another one. Try different things. Throw them in a box. Just practice. Like, lots of practice. I mean, everybody learns differently. Some people are visual. Some people are tactile. Some people are auditory watch videos go on youtube ask questions pick people's brains save people's photos study it you know uh just like anything in life you want to get good at something you got to do your research and you got to put your time in um but i mean the one big thing that i would say is just buy a bunch of models just to practice painting on and if you mess them up pick up another one and try again just keep trying that's why I like Reaper Bones. They're cheap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a cheap model either. Like I remember I painted the same Space Marine like 40 times once. Like it, it had the paint on it was like you could you could see how thick the paint was on it, you know, because I was trying to learn consistency and stuff like that when I first started. And I actually still have that model somewhere in a box. Nice. Um, but I mean, like a regular Space Marine models. that's Primera size just because of the thickness of the paint. <laughs> More so in the hips and the shoulders. Doesn't have a never had a head because I was bright in a death pain eyeballs for the longest time. Um, but yeah, like just just I mean, when I started painting, there was no YouTube. 
you had to get you had to find Vallejo books or like Model Master books or you know uh, Trail and Railroad like magazines that have been around forever, right? Uh, or books from the library. You know what I mean? There was no YouTube, so I mean, like, if you want to nowadays to jump from tabletop to competitive, it's not really that difficult. You just got to put your, you just got to practice and mm -hmm. just apply the techniques that you're being taught or learning through whatever way you learn and just keep practicing on your models. You know, like Vincent didn't get as good as he, he didn't just wake up one morning and the magical freaking painting competition fairy came down from competition land and said, we're going to make you a special person today. It didn't, that's not what happened. You know what I mean? Like right. Vincent, Vincent, like myself, or like Sam or like John or like any other, they sat down and they practiced. They just kept painting and painting and painting and painting and painting, you know? Um, and there are rare occasions where some people are just naturally gifted when it comes to painting mm -hmm. and they just pick it up real easy. But I mean, and yet they still work too. Most of them still work really hard. Even if they have natural talents, they still practice and put that, put the hours in, you know? Right. And I mean, it's the same thing, the, you know, the great example, the greatest example actually I've ever heard about, you know, jumping from tabletop to painting. It's like casually playing your trumpet at home. And now you want to join the high school orchestra. Mm -hmm. Right. You got to practice. You got to get good because if you're not good, then you're not making the team. Right. And it's the same principle. You just got to put your time in. You just got to practice. And it, it, I mean, with the abundance of outlets and avenues for you to uh, absorb information nowadays is just, it's preposterous. Like, it's just like, I, I wish this stuff was around when I started painting. Cause I would, I would have beat Sam Lenz that year with my mortarium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all jokes aside, but I mean, there, I really, to boil it down to answer your question, like what were the challenges that I face or even people can face when they're going from tabletop to competitive painting? Mm -hmm. The only challenges are the ones you put in front of yourself. That's Makes it. That's yeah. that's all it is. Because like you, all the everything's out there now for you to get good. For anybody to get good at painting. And my my assistant's a perfect example. Um, right? Like he's sitting here right now, being very quiet and courteous, and I have to applaud him for that. Um, but like a couple weeks ago, he had no idea how to paint, uh, how to airbrush up. Or sorry. Few months ago, we had no idea how to airbrush. We're two months along, and now he's cranking out these amazingly blended swords with his airbrush because he practiced. Mm -hmm. He went over and he made mistakes. He practiced on like just some random model or on like a piece of paper or on a, you know, he just practiced. He just kept getting at it. Now he's really comfortable with it. Now he's starting to push outside of that comfort. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so, I've been practicing and was, airbrushing with a coloring book. Yeah, it's perfect. I've heard that before. Actually, I heard it works really well. It gives you an idea of like depth and stuff like that. And control, like in aim. Probably my biggest issue is aim. Right. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna put this on his forehead, and that's on the sword. Why the hell is that on the sword? That was supposed to go on the forehead. You know. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, like, hey, as long as you're trying to get better at it, that's all that matters. I mean, you're not. You're going to make mistakes. That's part of learning. Like, you exactly. can't, can't. You know what I mean? I mean, for me, like. It was a trial by fire to learn how to airbrush. You know, I was told that I have to paint this commission. I'd never picked up an airbrush in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I either, this is make or break. And I just dove in and it just turned out that I was actually naturally gifted at it. I didn't really have to learn much when it came to airbrushing. Uh, I'm still learning. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm no master. I'm still learning every day as I paint with it, but a lot of the basics and fundamentals just came to me naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to like painting, what's with your a setup? Brush, what are you painting with? What, what's your airbrush setup? If you don't mind, me uh, I just use, I just, I'm a huge badger fan. I love my renegade and my, 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 uh, Patriot and my Zotar. Um, you're I just speaking run, my language because that's what I'm a yeah, Patri- yeah. Patriot and a Sotar user. Yeah. Yeah. And then I run my compressor. I just bought one from our local uh, handy store here in town and it's loud as a dinosaur and it could inflate the car tires on your truck. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, hey, <laughs> it does the job. It does. It does. <laughs> and it does I mean, more I, than one job. <laughs> oh, oh, that's very, very true. My uh, my assistant here, he's uh, been learning on an Iwata Neo, and okay. he's picked it up pretty fast. I mean, about as fast as I picked it up. He's doing so fantastic so far. I mean, Wonderful. so it just goes to show, like, just try. That's that's you know what I mean. Just practice and try and get out of that comfort zone and just watch and absorb as much as you can. Perfect. Thank you. And that kind of answers the question. The last question I was going to ask was about better, braver, happier painters, but I feel like you already answered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we can still touch on that. I mean, you, know, you still got a couple more questions here to go, don't we? Uh, uh, you know what? I I don't know. Uh, let's see. Why don't we? Why don't we do that? Why don't, why don't we say? You know, the motto of our podcast is better, braver, happier painters. Uh, do you have any uh, any advice for our listeners as they continue on their painting journeys? Oh. Wow. Like, I mean, I could, I could give you advice all day long. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of advice from your past um, guests on your show. Um, My best, like the one piece of advice that I give any painter um, and a lot of the masters have already mastered this skill. Be patient. Like never, ever rush painting anything. Take your time. You will actually find that if you take your time painting, you will have better results than rushing through it because you're excited. The excitement will pass. But if you paint something and you're really excited and you rush through it, you'll probably end up disappointed by the result. Unless like you're like, you know, a really, really good painter and you're just, you know, you kill it. Right. But I mean, especially for newer painters, just take your time. Don't rush it. You'll get through it eventually. And by taking your time, you'll actually be happier with your finished product than you will be if you had rushed through it with excitement. Because that was the biggest thing for me when I was, I was like, oh, a new model. Yeah, let's paint it. Let's do this. And then I get a painted and be like, I don't like this. I want to start. <laughs> I want to start over. Or just where, throw it in the garbage. The, where, for us, it's the green stuff. Where's the green stuff? Let's put it in. Let's get that paint off. <laughs> or the green uh was that uh, not green stuff? Liquid, simple green. Simple. There green. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not me. I just throw it in the. I have a box here that's probably got hundred dollars in models in it. That I just like. Oh, that didn't work. Throw it in there. Oh, didn't like how that blue turned out. Throw it in there. And that, that's you know, that's the one thing that you uh, you should always take. You know, be patient. I mean, you've probably heard that from lots of other artists you've talked to. Um, you know. I mean, when it comes to, I mean, specifically for newer painters, that is definitely something they should use. I mean, when you're a commission painter, you're on a clock. Like you're from the minute that project starts to the time you deliver it to your client, you're on the clock. I mean, for those kind of people, you, you have to plan and be efficient when it comes to painting. Um, 
you have to understand what you're painting and you know how to get through it with the best result but with the least amount of effort that keeps your client happy so it's a very fine line i mean in that regard but you know and the same thing can be said for any painter at all you know just plan take your time be patient don't rush and don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's the best way to get ahead in the painting game. Just mess it up, get it all messy and just try to figure <laughs> it out, you know? Um, so, I mean, and like, you know, there are things like the, you know, there's lots of things that can help, you know, painters be better and happier painters, uh, you know, get good lighting. It makes a world of difference when you can see what you're doing, you know, um, try to give yourself a dedicated hobby area, you know, uh, and don't be afraid to post stuff online and ask for feedback, you know, uh, you know, and of course, ignore the people who are going to bring you down. Cause no matter what you post on the internet nowadays, someone's always got an opinion that they don't want you to like. Um, so, you know, just surround yourself with good people and just try to paint within your comfort zone when you first start. But once you feel comfortable, get outside of that, do stuff that pushes the envelope and remain patient. Perfect, man. Thank you so much for being being here with us today and, and sharing your painting journey, Alex. I, it's really been a lot of fun to talk to you, man. Yeah, it's just been a blast. I mean, uh, I'd like to do it again. <laughs> Can we start over? <laughs> no, absolutely, man. We will definitely. We... Uh, I have a couple ideas for some shows down the road that uh, that uh, your, your name definitely came to mind when I was kind of listing guests for. So definitely, uh, I definitely want to do this again for sure. Can we can we do this all again in French? No, no. Yeah, well, you you might be able to, but no, nope, I, I don't I, speak any French. I don't either. <laughs> I know a little German, and that's about. It was it. a little. It was a little jab at us Canadian folk up here. <laughs> a little jab. <laughs> a little jab. Ansprechen Sie Deutsch? A little bit, not too much. I mean, yeah, a little bit. A, a little bit. I mean, not so much anymore, but you know. But yeah, it's been an honor to be on your show. I appreciate it. Um, and if, uh, you know, I'm, I uh, happen to be uh, one of the team members for Stiff Neck Studios. Um, so if you ever like want any advice, find us on Discord. Like we're over on Discord. We got a, we got a community chat over there for just anybody that wants to, uh, to get better at painting or ask for tips or techniques. Um and we're a legion. There is no names in the Stiff Neck Studio family. It's just, we're just one big group. That's all it is. And we just try to help as many people as we can with the painting. So if you want to check it out, Stiff Neck Studios, we're on Discord. Um, fantastic group of guys and check it out. Dan and I would like to thank Alexander Good from Stiff Neck Studios for joining us today. We really appreciate him taking the time out of his busy painting schedule uh, to share um, his painting journey and perspective on the world of commission painting. Uh, so thank you so much. You can check out Alex's work on Stiff Neck Studios pages. We'll put links in the description and the show notes of it. So check out his work. Um, so you can follow us on social media at uh, Instagram and Facebook at Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. Twitter is at Dry Painting. Sadly, still, you know, we make a joke about it every time, but it's never going to change. You can also drop us a line to let us know how we're doing. Uh, tell us what you want to hear on the show. Tell us what you're working on. Uh, anything you guys are interested in and talking about, uh, let us know. Uh, you can hit us up at listeningtopainttry at gmail.com. 
Like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and tune in anywhere basically you can get your podcast from we're there and if you'd be so kind to leave us a review a positive review we'd greatly appreciate it uh like we've said in the past we couldn't be doing without this without our listeners and we thank and love all of you we'll be back again in two weeks with another episode so until then keep those paintbrushes moving keep those palettes wet and become better braver happier painters until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.